Today we have a special episode that is not related to coronavirus pandemic and its impact on the industry. This conversation happened in November 2019 and my guest is Lenny Wojcicki, who used to be the growth product lead at Airbnb for about seven years. His startup Local Mind was first acquired by the company and he was a software engineer for a short little while before moving into product management. For the past year, since Lenny moved on from Airbnb, he's been focusing on angel investments and advising startups, having created an Airbnb alumni angel investor syndicate. And he's also been focusing on writing his incredible newsletter on product and marketplaces that you can find at LennyRachitsky.com. I highly, actually, I cannot recommend this newsletter enough. It's very meticulously researched and Lenny does an amazing job um, breaking down the journeys of the most successful marketplace companies in the world and in the valley to give you guys the insight into how they got their first users, how they started growing, how they started scaling, etc. I highly recommend checking it out. In this conversation, Lenny and I talk about his journey inside Airbnb, how the acquisition of their startup happened, his productivity routines, what he's been focusing on in the past year, and some insights about product management. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Lenny is amazing, and please follow him on Twitter at LennySan and uh, subscribe to his newsletter at LennyWorchitsky.com. Enjoy. Thank you. Awesome. Well, Lenny, welcome. Thank you so much for being here and taking the time to talk to me today on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. Thanks, Cheers. Luba. Cheers. How's your week been? Pretty good. I'm working on I have this new newsletter that I've been writing. And so I've been writing. I've subscribed, actually. Excellent. I've been very enjoying your writing. It's excellent. Thank you. I actually set up a Twitter account two weeks ago. And this week, I've been exploring the weeds wow. of Twitter. Congrats. And <laughs> thank you. It's like a really big um, milestone and accomplishment mm. for me. And I'm feeling very overwhelmed with Twitter. <laughs> I'm like not quite a native Twitter yeah. user. Mm. There's like so much information. Yeah. I noticed that Twitter is very much a Silicon Valley <laughs> tool. Like I see yeah. a lot more people being active on Twitter than Instagram for instance. So when I uh, just started like exploring Twitter more this week, I was like, oh, wow, these people are all so active on Twitter and I never see them post anything on Instagram. So that's very interesting. Why do you think that is? I think people pick their primary network and then they spend most of their time there. So I've kind of personally gravitated towards Twitter because mm-hmm. it feels like the stuff I'm interested in is more is more happens to be there. More so on I'm Twitter. Kind of toward, yeah. My wife, on the other hand, is all Instagram. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So it's almost like uh, everyone has their favorite. Makes network. sense. So you, did your writing start with uh, tweets? How did you get into writing to begin with? Because your Medium articles are so well thought out and so Thank well you, put together. <laughs> yeah, I'm very impressed with, you know, how much time do you actually spend writing them and how did it all happen? Way too much time. <laughs> uh, so I guess, so I left Airbnb about six months ago. I was there for seven years. And when I left, I was trying to think about what the hell did I actually learn in this experience? You know, if I look back, what, what did I take away? And I found that, to do that, I had to write it down. Mm-hmm. So I started writing down. And through that, one realized, hey, this could be useful to other people. Two, maybe I should do more of this just because it's useful to me to crystallize things that I'm learning. So I started doing that with, with the Airbnb learnings. I tried to think about what did I take away from my time at Airbnb. And so I landed with seven things over seven years that I took away from around culture and yeah. growth and focus and things like that. So that led to that article. And and with that, I you know I ran it by the founders to make sure they were happy with it and got a lot of feedback. 
and then get it out. So um, when reading that first article, the, the one that you mentioned, the seven learnings from Airbnb, I thought it was so funny that at the top you mentioned that hierarchy, Silicon Valley hierarchy of needs, where the last, like on yeah. top of the <laughs> column, it's like, put your thoughts down and share them with the world in a Medium post. So I'm curious, when you decided to write out uh, those learnings from your seven years, at it's seven years, right? Seven yeah. years at yeah. Airbnb. Yeah. Did you write them with a goal to publish a Medium article and share with the world or were you doing it for yourself it started with just like a personal note mm -hmm. what did i learn because i knew people one people were going to ask me what did you learn about your time there and two i wanted to make sure i didn't leave that you know having a clear sense of what i took away makes sense yeah. um would you say that your writing skill has been cultivated in your product management role i'm now mm -hmm. exploring to see what what is it like to be a product manager yeah. and it seems like writing is a really essential skill of a good product manager because you have to mm -hmm. communicate well you have to like write docs to convince other people mm -hmm. in your vision and influence them indirectly because you you don't necessarily have all the power to say, hey, this is what we're doing. Right. Um, so I want to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah, would you say I, would that's even, true? I would even step back from writing. And I think communication in general is an extremely important part of being a product manager. Writing is a part of that. What I found now that I'm learning to write is one, how much more effective it would have made me if I were to go back and be a product manager, just hmm. realizing how much power writing has. So so I, had a, I have this friend, Vanessa, who actually went back to Airbnb recently, and she's been a writer her whole life. Mm -hmm. And I talked to her about this recently. Like, and she's an incredible writer. And just watching her send emails and do meetings and write decks uh, just, shows you, just shows you the power of, of writing and just someone that actually is trained to do this. I guess coming back to your question, if you think about what the hell does a product manager do all day? Engineers write code. Mm -hmm. Designers create designs. Product managers, they just they talk and they write all day, that's their entire job. And so obviously it's the more, the better you are at those things, the better you're gonna be, especially writing and then and then speaking. Those two things are super important. And I'm curious what happens now that I've kind of learned a little bit about writing, what happens if I come back to that role someday? Do you think you would come back to that role someday? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. So I'm giving myself a year to figure out what I wanna do next. It's been six months. I'm hoping to start a company, which as a CEO, you're sort of a product manager, sort of not, but you know, if that doesn't work out, I might I might come back to just being a product manager somewhere again. Just being a product, just being a product manager. <laughs> yeah. We'll so see. that actually segues really well into a um, question that I had for you. I want you to go back, I guess, seven years or eight years in time. And you were you were running your own company before you went to to be a product manager at Airbnb. The company was called Local Mind, right? Yep, yep, yep. Um, can you tell me a bit more about how that whole acquisition happened? I'm sure like Airbnb coming up to you eight years ago or however long that was is probably different uh, w from how Airbnb makes acquisitions these days. Like how did <laughs> how did you guys get acquired? Oh man, so many things to talk about. So maybe a quick background. Uh, so I was I was working in San Diego at a job uh, as an engineer and engineering manager as there as there for seven years and at se seven years in I kind of had this decision I made with myself that I was going to start a company in two years. Mm. Gave yourself a time. Gave myself a timeline. Line, yeah, yeah, because you know it was what was it twenty two thousand eight or nine I think and I was just there's all these companies being started and all this stuff in tech. You're like I, I want to do that yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> I want to do that. It's like I want to try this. You know, what's mm -hmm. the worst that could happen if I try this thing and it doesn't work out? Mm -hmm. So two years later, serendipitously, I went to Montreal to visit a friend that was doing a conference, 
he runs this little conference called BitNorth where he brings all his friends together. Does it still exist? It's it's a very small time thing. It's this guy Alistair uh, uh-huh. that runs it most years, and I think he's actually bringing it back. He stopped it for a little bit. It's like it's like 30, 40 people, his friends in in kind of a uh, in the woods of Montreal somewhere. Kind of like Summit Series um, back in the day. I don't know what that from is, what I that from what right. I've read. What <laughs> were some fancy series? conference? Uh, I think now it is a very fancy oh, okay. conference, but it kind of right. started with the same thing uh, where a person was. Unfortunately, I don't remember his name, but um, he started a company and he wanted to bring like-minded people together that were in the same boat. And then he organized a skiing trip um, for them to just kind of like a mastermind, I guess. And then it evolved itself into a really now, I guess, big and famous thing where top of the top CEOs hmm. are invited. Um, I need to, yeah, I need to brush up on my knowledge of Summit Series. Those but yeah. guys. We're not going. <laughs> Don't worry. Let's not worry about those guys. So I think it's it's like a little bit like that, but it's it's much more uh, small time and not a lot of. It's not meant to grow and turn mm-hmm. into anything fancy. It's just kind of a place to interesting people to get together. One rule is that you have to give a five minute presentation about something you're interested in, which as a tangent led to a TEDx talk that I did about serendipity, based on a talk I did at that one. Oh wow! Yeah, that was a whole other thing. That was all in Montreal. That was all in Montreal. So wait, did the TEDx talk for, happen first, and then uh, this BitNorth conference talk, or? So it's interesting. So that BitNorth. So this was seven years after working at this company. Okay, nine years at that point, because that was two years after I made this uh-huh. commitment to myself. I got invited to this conference. Uh huh. And that was your friend's conference. That's my he friend's conference. You. Yeah, Alistair. And so at the conference, one thing that happened is led to this TEDx talk that we can chat about if you want. And then two is that introduced me to a few investors that were mm. forming an incubator program in Montreal mm. uh, called Year One Labs, which was meant to be this kind of year-long incubation for a startup. Super cool. And their pitch was, hey, move up here, start a company. The worst thing that happens is you live in Montreal for a year, and then you move back. The best thing that happens is start a company, and it goes great. And I had an idea that – so I was working on a side project at that time called Assisted Serendipity. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever told you about this. No, I've never heard about it. it was a, Please tell me more. It was, it was based on Foursquare data. Foursquare came out with their API, mm-hmm. and I was like, what can I do with this data where you can see kind of roughly where people are around right. a city? And so I had this idea. What if you could be alerted when the male-female ratio is in your favor at <laughs> a bar, a restaurant, or club, or whatever? Amazing. And so that's what it was. It's called assisted serendipity. You sign up. You pick a few bars or clubs. <laughs> I love it. And it notifies you. There's a lot uh-huh. of women at this bar right now. You should go so you're like, oh, I'm going to go to that bar. That was the idea. Uh-huh. It was more for fun, but it was, it was really fun just to kind of learn the API and play with it. And while I was in Montreal, we chatted about this idea, and then Local Mind came out of that, which mm-hmm. the idea there was what if you could talk to people at a place that are checked in on Foursquare, Facebook, or Guala, and ask them questions about what's happening there. So it evolved from this database, uh, sorry, dating-based yeah, yeah. app to just like local traveling, or I guess traveling as a whole. Yeah, it was meant for locals, just mm-hmm. like, hey, where should I go? What should I do? What's happening at this club? What's happening in this mm-hmm. bar? What's happening at this restaurant? Is this theater cool? Is there a line? Is there what's the special? Why did you decide to make a pivot from this? That was bar? never going to be a real oh, okay. business. This that was just like a Foursquare API exploration. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And this was like, oh wow, this could be a thing. This could like kill Yelp someday. Imagine if you could instead of just read people's reviews, yeah. you could just talk to them. What's happening? And then also talk to experts in that area uh, to know about even if they're not there right now, what's mm-hmm. the best place to go? So that idea came out of our conversation. And so that was part of the pitch, like, hey, move move here, start this thing, we'll fund you, mm-hmm. it'll be amazing. And so... And I, Montreal is an amazing city. Yeah, Montreal is so incredible. So food's amazing, the people are great, they have this budding startup scene that's still yeah. amazing. Yeah, 
I've only been to Montreal once, but I clearly remember seriously considering moving to Montreal <laughs> after graduating because I really mm. loved it there. Just, as you said, people are nice, food is great, and it's very nice, eclectic mix yeah. of North American vibe and European vibe. Yeah, it's it feels great. like you're in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. The thing I've learned since is if you don't actually speak French, it's a little hard to live there long term. Oh, is it? Yeah. They have, it's part of Quebec. And Quebec has these rules around how the French mm. always has to be bigger than the English mm-hmm. spelling on signage. Huh. Okay. They have to greet you in French first. It's very How's delightful. French? And terrible. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's, a, that's a joke I always make about people ask why I started this company in Montreal. And I always joke that it's just too easy to start a company. I got to add international, like moving internationally and, <laughs> and learning French and moving there in the winter. I moved there in December. Oh, man, like minus 40 degrees Celsius. Something I think, like that, yeah, something like that. Wow, it's wow. Very cold okay, so you decided to move to Montreal, start local mine with a group of friends, right? Or initially, it was just me, and then I, a couple months in, I convinced one of my friends from San Diego at my old job to finally come join me. I tried mm-hmm. to pitch him initially when I left, and he wasn't ready. And then he finally realized, "What am I doing? Let's go." And so he moved to Montreal. I found this amazing engineer in Montreal. Nelson, who joined the team, and then we found this. Wait, is it Nelson that works? Yes. At- oh, right. wow. <laughs> the Nelson who's in LA, right? Yeah, yeah, he moved oh, to LA now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wait, is he still at Airbnb? He's not. Oh, damn. He left, and what's uh, what's cool about Nelson? Nelson? Is, yeah, Nelson is a legend. He's a legend. We uh, on, a, on his, we gave him business cards that his title was Secret Weapon, because <laughs> he was very modest and understated, but just the smartest person I've ever met. Wow. It was so effective at helping us get to where we ended up. So he, you met him in Montreal. Yeah, we met him at a happy hour. Alistair actually introduced us, the guy that led us to Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. And he was working on a couple apps. He had, this sounds weird to say now, but before it got really weird, he was he had the premier 4chan app in the App Store where you could read 4chan, where he kind of got around Apple's guidelines to allow <laughs> you to use 4chan. But this was before it became like you know, the white <laughs> <Yeah>. supremacist <laughs> home on the internet. And he was building some other stuff. And then what happened there is I showed him what I was working on and I was hoping him to join and he's like nah, i don't know i have these other ideas and then a week later he emailed me mm-hmm. and he's like i want to build this thing i don't need you to pay me anything i just want to build this because i think it's going to be really big and and he did and then we launched it south by got a lot of press robert scoble yeah i saw TechCrunch covered it yeah, tech which was like a huge deal i'm sure in 2012 20, right 2011 2011 i think that book. yeah the big thing was scoble actually who used to be this big deal right kind of like the the guy that tells you what's interesting in tech he called it the best thing at South by that year. Wow. And so we got a lot of great press. People in Montreal were so excited for us because we were like this new up-and-coming startup. Uh-huh. Raised some money, and then that's when we moved to San Francisco. So you, how did you move to San Francisco? Tell me more about that. We So we were both from California. Right. Bo was my co-founder, and Nelson decided to move with us and me. And we also had this intern that we got in, uh, that we found in Canada, Nick, Nick Adams, also at Oh, wow. What? (laughs) So we got acquired in in the end, and so they all joined. Wow. I I, I had no idea Nick Adams was part of the security. What what an all-star team, huh? Amazing. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So wait, so how did you get approached to get acquired? So you got a bunch of press, and what happened? So that was a fun story. So we moved to Montreal. Sorry, San Francisco. San Francisco. San Francisco from Montreal. And a a year after that, the head of product, Joe Bot, at Airbnb, Mm Josiah, came to us, and he's like, hey, remember we met at South By? And we're chatting about what you guys are up to. And I was like, I don't remember that at all. And I think I was just like very drunk at some party and got introduced to him. And he remembered and I didn't, which turned out well. <laughs> he and he wanted happens to me all the time. <laughs> 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 Not for being drunk reasons, but mm, depends. Yeah. 
but it works out. Sometimes it works out. And so he wanted to see what we could do together. They were going through this phase um, where they were developing the Snow White journey. Right, right, can, right. The one I can talk yeah. about. Where they were basically trying to figure out what are the key moments of a journey of a host and a guest that we want to get right. And one of them was, I'm out and about in the city. What should I be doing? Who should I meet? What's out there? And they wanted to acquire us to build that for airbnb find mm -hmm. a way for guests to mm -hmm. get together in a city and have a good time so what what happened did the product ever yeah. make itself to airbnb's product yeah yeah so so we ended up doing the deal and joining and the, the plan was we're not sure what's gonna happen local mind but help us build this thing in the meantime yeah and it was cool because it was very the company was highly influenced by ideo and design thinking and so we had, we had like eight months just to kind of think about what this could be and iterate and and do research on the product instead of just going straight to building, which was very unnatural for us because we're just like build, build, mm -hmm. build, build. Mm -hmm. But their push to us was like, let's understand the problem. Let's figure out 15 ways we could solve this problem. Let's prototype, then let's test them, then let's actually build. So we spent a bunch of time talking to travelers, staying in hostels, because hostels are, in a sense, Airbnb and hostels are the complete opposite experience. Mm -hmm. In a hostel, they're sur you're surrounded by people, people everywhere, just kind of doing things together, finding things to do. In Airbnb, you're all alone, sometimes with a host, siloed in the city. And so they wanted to bring a little bit of that to the Airbnb experience to help you find people mm -hmm. to hang out with. And so so we came up with 15 different ways we could do this. Mm -hmm. One of Brian was very excited about was, a, imagine if there's a, a bat signal in a city that goes out and all the Airbnb uh -huh. guests gather there and do a flash mob or have a dance party or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> or go rancing. Go rancing. Man, they could have come up with rancing earlier. <laughs> Back then. Yeah. And rancing is an Airbnb experience, mm -hmm. right? Where you just dance. Right. You like run and you, you dance and you at dance. the same time. It's actually pretty awesome. Did you go to I that? haven't done it. Uh, it's pretty amazing. It's like you're just <laughs> on the high of running and doing something that's kind of stupid in a way rancing yeah i mean rancing is like a lot of fun why i'm saying stupid is because like you're dancing and you're running at the same time and like <laughs> someone has this big um speaker <laughs> and you have like the glow lights and maybe like an interesting outfit and people are just like always looking at you like who are these guys like what are they doing but then yeah. they kind of get get into it as well yeah sometimes the funnest things are the simplest things yes exactly and an airbnb employee came up with that idea right and I think it's one of the more popular experiences. Which one? Chris yeah. Chris Ren, I think. Oh, Airbnb. Yeah, yeah Chris, Airbnb yeah, Chris Boy, is yeah, the... Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. What is the Snow White journey? Yeah, so the Snow White journey, it, it's uh, it's something that came out of... So Brian, or the founder of Airbnb, has this tradition where uh, in the holidays, he reads a book. He chooses a book to read. Mm -hmm. And I guess 2011 holidays, he read Walt Disney's biography and learned that the movie Snow White was the first, I think, animated movie where they used storyboards as a part of the development process. Mm -hmm. And he was inspired to kind of, the idea that a trip on Airbnb was like a story that unfolded where there's keyframes along the way and moments of truth and kind of this arc. And so they hired this Pixar storyboard artist oh. to, yeah, for like a year, he's just like drawing these just storyboards. Just making the storyboards. Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's a pretty cool job. It's a pretty cool job, yeah. But I think part of it was actually trying to understand what uh -huh. the key moments are along a, a journey. And the guest experience, Yeah, right? not just the drawing them themselves. So he's just a big part of that. Um, but it would allow the company to do is have a sense of what are the most important points in a trip, both for a host and a guest. And one of the points is, as a guest, you're on about, what are you going to be doing? What do you? How do you find things to do? So anyway, they acquired us to build that. Mm-hmm. Well, we ended up building after a bunch of research, partly influenced by the founders, 
which looking back, it was a bad idea to just kind of listen to their perspective because mm-hmm. it turned out it wasn't the right way to, to approach it. Mm. They had the sense that the best way to find things for guests in a city to do is to bring them together and make it social and help mm-hmm. them do things together. It turned out guests didn't really want that. They didn't want to like hang out with strangers. They just yeah. wanted to kind of do the their own thing. Their own thing. Just like mostly the most generic stuff and then eventually more interesting stuff. So Airbnb experiences eventually solved this problem. So when you joined Airbnb, did you make a transition from engineer to product manager immediately or was it just kind of after some time? Yeah, so I was an engineer my entire life at Airbnb. Right. Up until Airbnb. I got to Airbnb as an engineer. I was reporting to to this guy, Raf, who you may know. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Yeah. so he's my manager and reported to the CTO. And so I was the CEO CEO of our startup. And as the CEO, you you kind of lead the team. And at Airbnb, our team stayed together, and I continued to lead it. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, I was in every PM meeting. I was doing PME things. And Joe Butter had a product. It was just like, you should just become a PM. What are you doing? <laughs> so I had that input. And then also just seeing the caliber of engineering at Airbnb, uh, it was clear to me I was not going to be successful as an engineer at Airbnb because it's such a high bar. Mm. So partly out of self-preservation and partly out of... <laughs> self-preservation. Partly out of like, oh, this is really fun. I think I yeah. enjoy this better. I switched to product. So about six months in, I decided to do that. And I'd never done product before. And... I realize now I had no idea what I was doing for probably four years, but eventually figured it out. What would you recommend people that are thinking of going down the PM route coming from engineering, but I'm not quite sure, like what are the things to look out for? What are the signals that PM might be right for you or not? I wrote a a really detailed post about this on Medium called "How how to get into product management and thrive. But I'd say a simple way to think about it is figure out what fulfills you if you're fulfilled by actually building the thing and figuring out how to build it and mm-hmm. engineer it you, you probably will enjoy engineering if you are more fulfilled and figure out what to build and why to build it and how to think about the big picture of mm-hmm. the business and the product you're you might be more fulfilled as a product manager but i still get i'm still super fulfilled by just building and i still code here and there right so i do miss that and i think that's okay if you miss that and the thing you want to think about is what what do you miss what do you want to do more and what fulfills you more and then there's just like long-term career right aspirations you want to start a company product management's a good experience for that do you want to or do you want to be you know lead managers do you want to be a cto so mm-hmm. a lot of it depends also on where you want to be in your career right you mentioned, you know, thinking about what fulfills you. So it's basically kind of the idea of looking at a job description and seeing the outcome, the impact that you're going to have. Is it something that you're interested in or not? But what what are your thoughts about actually looking into what is it that you're going to do day to day and the skills that you're going to learn? Because I feel like a lot of the times, yeah, you can look at the job description and a, at a long-term vision of what kind of things you're going to be driving and it might sound great, but the day-to-day grind might actually suck for you personally. Yeah, yeah, like the day-to-day job of a PM is no, no bueno. It's not like a fun uh, thing to think about. So I think you're totally right. You should actually understand what you're going to be doing day-to-day, which is a lot of meetings, a lot of emails, a lot of documents, a lot of checking in with people, a lot of talking, basically. So, yeah, I guess to do that, you could shadow PM, you could talk to PM about what they're doing all day. The best thing, like, one of the best things you can do is take on a project from a PM and just PM it and see how it goes, which will force you to do all the things you got to do as a PM. One thing you don't have as a, as a PM is, is any flow. There's no flow mm-hmm. states, really, mm-hmm. unlike engineering, where you can just put the headphones right. on and just go. 
get in there as a pm you're just your life is interruptions protect your ic time <laughs> yeah 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 engineer. so yeah exactly and so and you want to yeah enable your engineers to have to find flow states and go deep right and so you're they call pms shit umbrellas often <laughs> i don't know if we can curse on this thing yeah so there's no flow states, so you have to not not be full not uh need that to be happy makes sense so at my time uh, during my time at airbnb while you were there i saw a lot of uh hey mushroom dome is opened up for a weekend emails from you <laughs> i was always wondering um is it that mushroom dome was in the umbrella of pms that were leading like <laughs> growth teams mm. i guess and for those of you who don't know why i'm mentioning mushroom dome and what the hell is mushroom dome mushroom dome i think is still the most popular listing on airbnb yeah, most booked of all time wow amazing so it's i think it's like two hours away from san francisco yeah. is it yeah it's in like near santa cruz okay Aptos. yeah so it's basically this tiny pretty small cabin that is in the form of a mushroom i've never been my there myself personally have you stayed yeah, with mushroom yeah i dome? stayed there one night or maybe two nights how was your experience there it was great uh, the, the best thing about the mushroom dome is the the host the kitty host. Mm-hmm. yeah she's just so wonderful she's like an old hippie has this weird house neck that she lives in that she built or architected from back in the day and then she built this mushroom dome it's basically like a geodesic dome with a mm-hmm. With kind of a bottom part, so it's kind of this little mushroom shape. And she built it for a daughter, I think, to have mm. a place to stay. So why were you uh, guarding the dates of the Mushroom Dome <laughs> <laughs> and when, when they're opened up? So the, what happened with Mushroom Dome, we used to have these things at Airbnb, as you know, Airbnb Open, where we invited hosts from all over the world to get together and meet each other. And we had talks and uh-huh. trainings and all kinds of things. So all these hosts fly in. And I think Airbnb did it for about four years straight. Yeah, yeah. I went to the last open. It was in L.A. In L.A., yeah. yeah. That was great. Yeah, it so was the, a lot of fun. So the first one was here in San Francisco. And and part of it was having these roundtables with hosts where you, you two employees sit with, I think, 15 hosts. And you ask them questions, and they share their feedback and ideas and things like that. And so I sat down, and next to me was Kitty, the host mm-hmm. of the Mushroom Dome. And with her, she had this little transparency, which was something the data science team did for Airbnb Open. They gave every host a personalized view of their bookings for the year Mm. so you could look at this transparency and compare it with other hosts to see how many of your days are booked and so kitty was fully booked 365 days her other hosts were very jealous exactly so she's just (laughs) sitting there comparing her transparency (laughs) with other hosts and she's just making everyone jealous and so i started chatting with her about what she's doing and she's she was kind of famous already internally Mm -hmm. because she had the most booked airbnb the other thing with her is that she's a very extreme edge case kind of host because she has so many bookings and mm-hmm. has and has made so much money. She's not a good test case of what is actually broken with the product. Mm. So like her dashboard took a long time to load. Her inbox took a long time to load because she's got so many messages. Uh, so you have good to always. To have. It's a good problem to have for her. Yeah. But sometimes you know she reports a problem and nobody else is having that problem. Mm. So anyway, I gave her my email address and I became the person she always emailed whenever there's a problem. And then. She personally loved Airbnb uh, employees staying at her place because she just loved to learn about what was happening. Mm-hmm. She liked the employees. They're always really nice. And so she just started. Anytime somebody canceled on her, she held the dates for Airbnb employees and just emailed me. Hey, Lenny, if you want to, uh, oh. if there's any Airbnb employees that want to stay here, I see. let them know and, they'll, and I'll hold it for them. That's still happening actually now. Yeah, Luca is sending I, out I, I handed the torch over to Luca. <laughs> I wanted to make sure she had somebody that, right. that she could contact. I see, she, so that's the story. Yeah. Got it. Super cool. So what do you think makes her place so special that it's so booked out? I think it's probably a combination of just the fact that it's the most booked 
has this innate brand and yeah. halo effect of like, oh, wow, this is really There's special. There's still a lot of articles popping up about yeah. Mushroom Dome. Yeah, it's a good story. So six months ago, you decided to move on. What was that um, thinking process was like? Because, you know, a lot of the times it's like four year mark is a place where people mm-hmm. are like, oh, OK, I'm, I'm moving on to some other company or maybe earlier than that. You stayed at Airbnb for seven years or a little over seven years. I'm yeah, not... just about seven. Yeah. Uh, why seven year mark? What made you pull the trigger and decide to move on? Yeah, that's a good question. I found that Every year, I just kind of checked in. Like, am I still? What am I? What am I still doing here? This has been a long time. No one stays at companies this long. And I found that every year, I was just like super happy, learning a lot, trying different things, had amazing teams, amazing managers, amazing colleagues, and so I had no real reason to ever leave up until mm-hmm. around seven years. And it's not like anything happened. I I basically went on a sabbatical. We get the sabbatical program. The recharge. Yeah, the recharge, and I added a little bit of unpaid time to it. Mm-hmm. So I had three months off. And I found that when I got back, I kind of gave myself a month to decide, do I want to stick around or do I want to try something new? And I found that as soon as I got back, my heart was just fully ready to do something else. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a gut check? Yeah, super like in a, I don't know if emotion is the right word, but very like non-rational. Serendipitous. Serendipitous? Not not so much. I I just remembered about your whole serendipitous story with the app and the project. So yeah, yeah, I guess. Not quite. (laughs) A lot of things came into it. And so what I, so I started, so initially I was just like, man, I'm, I'm like done with this. I feel like I've done the same kind of thing over and over now and I'm trying, it might be time for some new. Mm-hmm. So my heart was ready to do some new, but my brain wasn't there yet. I was still like, man, I'm going to give up good salary and benefits and health insurance, all these things. What am I thinking? Mm-hmm. And so I needed to kind of bring my brain along. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was talk to all the different roles that were all the managers that were hiring for new roles, try some totally different. And I talked to them all, and one by one, I kind of checked my check boxes of, nope, not that, not that, not that. And when I ran out, it's like, no, it's time. Hmm. What were the check, uh, what was different this checkbox list? Basically, the, oh, different teams at Airbnb. There's I like, see. I think it's public, but there's like a team working on transportation. Mm-hmm. There's team working on professional hosting. Mm-hmm. There's a, the Hotel Tonight acquisition. Yeah. That, was, that was a role I was thinking about, that kind of thing, and nothing spoke to me. That makes sense. So yeah. how are you splitting your time right now? So what's happened is so i had kind of these three tracks of my life startup exploration writing and consulting and advising Mm -hmm. i've been finding that 2020 madness has mostly made the startup exploration Mm -hmm. basically sucked up all that time so i've sadly paused that where i have like 40 ideas that i want to explore and i've started exploring them before 2020 madness came around and i've kind of had to pause that just because it takes a lot of brain space but I'm still doing the writing and the and the consulting and advising. And one thing that I've done that's helped me a lot, I don't know if I share this with you, is I have this sprint model that I use that oh, interesting. I, I took from a friend of mine who does it also, who's also in a similar place, mm-hmm. but employed, where every two weeks I put together, here's my goals for the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. Here's a theme for the next two weeks. And then I email out to a bunch of friends. And I find that just sending that email makes me feel like I got to do these things. Because for the first couple months, I was just like, I'm just going to do whatever and go walk yeah. around, ride my bike, <laughs> read some books. And I look back and I was like, I don't feel like I did anything. Uh-huh. So it creates a little bit of accountability around this time of my life. And so that helps me stay on track roughly. It's, you know, it's very informal. If I don't do anything, it's not a huge deal. No one's really going to. I feel like that's an idea on on its own. I was thinking about that. I'm trying to see if other people adopt this. 
because that's going to be a can i beta test it absolutely i'll send you the template yeah i'd love to yeah it, it works really well like it makes it literally gets me out running and meditating and writing just because i don't want to look bad in these emails so it's basically that accountability component that you think is the most useful absolutely it's it's magical i just sent this email and i'm like shit i gotta do all these things now <laughs> you know someone oh sorry i interrupted you i was just gonna add the other thing is it forces you to think a little bit ahead so mm-hmm. you're not just like day to day what should i do today because when you're you could do anything it's almost overwhelming like man what should i do today i gotta write i gotta do this yeah that. so it gives you a chance to spread it out through the week right it's been another thing a friend inspired me to do is I use a Trello board now where I kind of plan out a little bit per day what I want to roughly get done. I just started using Trello for my YouTube video planning. So um, I actually, on that accountability point, um, someone just recently told me about the service called focusmade.com mm. where you get paired up with a person, mm. like a real time and you have to have your oh, video on. Right. Yeah, and yeah. then you tell them like on the call, hey, this is what so I'm going to be working on and you can share your screen if you want to. You you don't have to. It's just going to be a video of you and like if you go like have a bathroom break or like do something around the apartment during that time, you have to tell them like, hey, I'm <laughs> leaving my desk because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. yeah, I've had two, oh, two sessions this week. Yeah. And how'd it go? Uh, it was pretty good actually, mostly because... Um, I did still have my distractions during that hour, mm. despite the fact that, oh, like that person on the other side, they, they know <laughs> they know what I'm up to. But at the same time, just, you know, thinking about it actively and also even just blocking that 15 minute block of, hey, like I'm focusing on this specific task at this time and I have to do it is actually really powerful. Mm-hmm. It's not quite the same as mm-hmm. what you're talking about. It's not like not it's not future um, like two week future forwarded um, like the sprints. Yeah, but it's, it's the same just idea. A 15 minutes it's just time. like a short term version of that idea. Yeah, yeah. That's and really smart. It actually came out, I think, I just read founder's story of the same problem of like, oh. hey, accountability. I huh. just did it with a friend and then we decided to build out the system. I love it. Yeah. I should try that. Speaking of productivity tricks, uh, another thing that I do, especially for writing, I find this really powerful, is a combination of nootropics. Do you know about nootropics? I know about them. I haven't quite explored the topic. T- it's tell kind us of more this, about it. There's this whole field of adaptogens, I think they're called, mm-hmm. that kind of help your brain work faster and better for a short period of time, and it's all natural. Mm-hmm. So I have a friend that's developing this nootropic drink that mm. has, like, matcha and ashwagandha and... Yerba mate or something? No. Not yerba mate. It's very little, low on caffeine, actually. Uh-huh. And um, what else? Theanine and a few other things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's, I find that that... So I take that, plus the service called Brain FM. Heard I've heard, yeah, the music that helps you focus. Yeah, so those two combined, huh. it just... It really helps. It gives me s- so much focus when i'm trying to when i just take it and then to put on my headphones and just write it's amazing mm. it's like life-changing so you're uh trying like beta testing your friend's product yeah, right yeah yeah have you tried anything that's already on the market yeah i used to use alpha brain oh yeah okay which, i know alpha brain which sometimes i actually believe i did buy alpha brain at some point <laughs> it's very expensive yeah wasn't it also really heavy on caffeine i think that one yeah those are different. yeah so this guy's been developing it for for a number of years and he's mm-hmm. gonna release it at the end of this year any way to get on the beta yeah i'll, I'll hook you up <laughs> so, awesome thank you okay so basically nootropics and brain fm yeah that's that's really been really effective just to focus what books do you recommend anyone to read oh my god so many books i said so in my newsletter i've started to 
include a little inspirations for the week ahead section. I saw the growth ones and then the product management ones. I think you yeah, there's there's this book. Oh no, that was the Twitter thread actually about growth product managers. Got it. Yeah, it, I I I've been doing a little bit on Twitter, just like little tips mm -hmm. of things to read. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, so many books. The book I recommended in the last newsletter that my wife introduced me to is called No Hard Feelings. Mm -hmm. I think, and it's all about emotions at work mm. and how to turn them from a liability to an asset. Interesting. And it's extremely cute because there's these hilarious illustrations in the book about that describe the stuff that it's talking about. Yeah. And then the content is just so deep and so well-researched. It's, it's no actually- No hard feelings, okay. Yeah, it's no hard feelings. It's got like, on the cover, it's like a conference room table with a bunch of animals, mm. like an elephant. Oh, and, cute. And it's really great and-, and uh, I recommend it. And we should do a plug. Your wife just released her amazing uh, book too a couple yeah, of months ago. Yeah, I'm her right? hype man. I can't, I, uh, every, everywhere I go, I try to <laughs> I share I share the glory of this book. Yeah, the, her book's called Am I Overthinking This? Mm -hmm. And it's a book about, it's a coffee table book of charts about everyday life stuff that's extremely cute and hilarious and funny and she's a genius and I'm very honored to be her partner. And it's on Amazon and it's doing really well. She was just in The New Yorker Wow, amazing. Congrats. I did I did get the book when it was re released. It's Thank a you. super great book. Um, everyone should definitely check it out. Um, I saw your tweet about Etsy. What are you working on? You like asked on Twitter around um, looking for early growth people at Etsy because you were exploring a project. Can you talk about yeah, it? Yeah, how intriguing. <laughs> so as a person that did growth at Airbnb and was at Airbnb for so long, I'm often approached and asked, how did Airbnb do this? What do they do right? How do they grow? How do they figure out chicken and egg problems in their marketplace? How do they figure out quality and all that kind of stuff? And so I share what I've learned, but I always found that I have this very unique and singular perspective based on just Airbnb's mm -hmm. history. And then like a couple things I've heard here and there. But I've always had this feeling that I wish I could learn from, I, I wish I knew how it worked at all these other marketplace companies. And most of this is about marketplace businesses. And so I couldn't find any research out there that consolidated every big marketplace's learnings about what worked for them. And so I decided I'm going to do this big research project. So I've been interviewing early growth people at all of the biggest marketplace mm, companies. I've done 15 interviews at this point. So Etsy was one I, c I couldn't just get to right through friends. Uh -huh. And I've been interviewing them about how did they solve the chicken and egg problem? Basically, how did you like bootstrap yeah. the marketplace? How did you... How did you know if you're supplier demand constrained? How did you think about quality? How did you scale it eventually? And Are you so, thinking of writing a book? <laughs> oh, man. After watching my wife's experience writing a book and just the, the struggle of that, I definitely don't want to write a book at this point. I, <laughs> so my plan at this point is to make it part of the newsletter mm -hmm. or medium or something like that and see yeah. how it goes. But there's, there's so much incredible content that's come out of this already. Or a podcast. <laughs> do a podcast so many <laughs> options so at this point i'm i've gotten most of the interviews done and i actually talked to someone at etsy that was really helpful and now i'm trying to figure out what to do with it and trying to find the story of kind of the f almost like a playbook of growing our marketplace so we'll see where this goes it's it's a lot of work i realize i'm i've like become a journalist with this post yeah it seems like, like you really like writing you spend a lot of time doing it and oh, it seems very rewarding i like hate it but i love it <laughs> i feel like i'm just banging my head against the wall until I finally get through and then like, oh, this felt good. <laughs> but like, You're yeah. in the flow state, right? Sometimes, but it's so such a struggle. Such a struggle just to get it to a place where hmm, this feels good. And the thing I always come back to is, is this actually concretely valuable to somebody? Mm -hmm. I hate to just like have fuzzy nonsense. I try <laughs> to like 
create actionable, valuable, tactical things people can do mm-hmm. with like templates and quotes and like actual copy they can use in an email they send to their colleagues and things like that. It's fun. It's fun in a macro sense, very painful in the micro sense. Micro sense. Yeah. Lenny, how can everyone find you? I'm on Twitter at Lenny San, S-A-N. And my newsletter is myname.com or just lenny.substack.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here today. And thank you for talking to me. Thanks, Cheers. Luba. This was amazing. What thank a podcast. <laughs> thank you. Welcome to the meeting. <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Lenny. He's extremely knowledgeable and inspiring. And I will urge you to check out his newsletter again. It's at lennyrachitsky.com. Or you can follow him on Twitter at Lenny Sun, which is L-E-N-N-Y-S-A-N. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting me and giving it a like and subscribing on your favorite podcasting platform. Consider sharing it with your family and friends and if you found it insightful and useful. And I want to give a shout out to Studio Pod, a podcasting studio here in San Francisco in the Bay Area, which is helping me distribute this podcast. Thank you so much for watching. Have a wonderful day and I'll see you soon.